Hello, and welcome. This is a What If I Told You podcast, a show that is accepting applications for someone to come up with quips for our episode intros. Uh, We do require three to five years of experience being funny and at least three letters of recommendation. Yes. So if you are in the market for a job that doesn't pay, (laughs) (laughs) please send us your resume. And uh, you can email those to what if I told you podcast at gmail.com. You could even DM us on Instagram at what if I told you pod. Um, or you could send us a message on TikTok. You can. I forget that TikTok has actual like messaging, but yeah. it does. Yeah. And you can. Um, so yeah, reach out. Yeah, do that. Speaking of TikTok, <clears throat> we have. A new segment we talked about. Did we talk about it in our last episode? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, We have a new TikTok segment. It's called True Crime News. And it's just basically a TikTok video giving you... True crime news. True crime news. It's very straightforward if you didn't understand. Whoa. Yeah. If we need to change the title of that segment to be more clear, please let us know also. (laughs) Yeah. We have two true crime news... TikToks live. I will be releasing another tonight Ooh. and another one in a couple of days. Uh, I did post a tick. Okay, I got to date stamp this because this is not coming out <laughs> re- anytime soon. <laughs> this is February 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, I posted a TikTok last night, the 23rd, because Gabriel Fernandez's birthday was Sunday, February 20th, and he would have been 17, so we posted a birthday celebration post for our boy Gabriel. Yeah, so by the time you're listening to this, it'll all be there. It'll be there, and you can go watch the Gabriel celebration post. You can like it, Mm -hmm. you can share it, Mm -hmm. and you can comment on it. Yeah. All three of those are required. Yeah. <laughs> if you are not down to do that, um, I, have, don't, I don't have know a, why you're here. Have a conversation with yourself. Yeah. What are you doing for us at this point? As Michael Jackson <laughs> says, you got to start with the man in the mirror. <laughs> That's so. exactly fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> that song is such a bop. I can't even. Caden's really into Michael <laughs> Jackson right now. I love MJ. Uh, he is his background on his school laptop. That's amazing. <laughs> like, not like old MJ. Not, not like, like young. Jackson 5 MJ. No, like. <laughs> 1995 MJ. Blanket balcony MJ. <laughs> Dang. It's terrifying. Is it like smooth criminal MJ? No, it's like 2020 interview MJ. What? You should sneak in there and change it to Smooth Criminal. Because that's, like, cool. And He's wearing the white suit, and he's doing the thing. With the socks. With the hat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of music like that. Mm. I love it. I um, would rather not listen to it. I'll get down to some MJ. I will get up to some MJ. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We balance each other out on this show. You know what? That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Hot and cold. She's drinking water. I'm drinking wine. 
It's very religious. <laughs> I feel dehydrated. So now that I'm the only female in the office I work in, I feel very judged because I pee a lot. Because I drink a lot of water. I oh, get yeah. up and go pee like every hour. Me, Yeah, I used to do that too, all the time. And so I feel like they're constantly hearing my footsteps, like leaving and then coming back. But I'm like... They, they are not noticing that at all. Well, and clearly they're not drinking water because they never leave their desks. That's uh, probably accurate, honestly. Yeah, I feel like <clears throat> I need to do something about it. Yeah, just just be like, hey, Carl, you've got your Packers cup there. Maybe go get some water. Can I get you some water? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get more water. Would you like some, too? <laughs> oh, anyways, there's no breakfast nook. Um, we've stated what we're currently ingesting. Mm-hmm. So it's evening on a Thursday, and um, our men are meeting each other for the very first time downstairs um, and we're just like all right well we're gonna go record an episode have fun peace with that i have been hearing like the constant rumble of conversation yeah so they're at least saying things I, they've constantly been saying things so i mean that's positive yeah it just went up an octave as well so they're in love. They're in love, totally. This was meant to be. Well, you can move in here. Perfect. Can we have the slide room? Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. Dakota actually recently cleaned it out and moved all of the Christmas decor from the slide room into the basement. So For us. Exactly. He was anticipating that you would be moving in and he would be moving out. Perfect. Yeah. Goodbye. It's, it's been real. The boys can just sleep in the loft area of the slide room. Yeah, that's probably what it's for. Yeah. Or in the slide. Yeah. You know, I think that would take a real strong core to stay in the same spot in the slide, but yes. They're sweaty sleepers, and they sleep with nothing but their little boxers on, so they might just stick. (laughs) That'd be funny. (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, um, on a much heavier note, we have a pretty sad episode today. Mm-hmm. Also, there's no Chip's Corner. I don't think. Let's see. He hasn't been in the group chat. Chip, you're on your way to maybe being straight up fired. Ye- thin ice, buddy. I mean the thinnest. Um, wow. Um, I... Where's our conversation? Oh, it's up here. It's so far down, you can't even find it. February 14th. Okay, so basically Chip was just talking shit. Oh, whoops, I went too far back because I scrolled once and it went back to October. So, cool. (laughs) Let's see. Oh, so I was looking for a word. I I was like, I I feel like there should be a word for being an adult but not feeling like an adult. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he said, the word you're looking for for not being as adulty as other people is mature. I understand how hard it can come for you two. <laughs> I said, fight me. <laughs> and Maddie said, I'm sorry, I don't recognize this person. And uh, 
Chip said you probably cry when you get angry, so a fight would just end up in you crying before you got hit. And I said, please disregard him, Madeline. He is but a cousin of mine who pops in as he pleases. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, kind of like posting episodes when you please. So. (laughs) I mean. But he did say he was glad to see us back. And, um, of course, there's really nothing he could have commented on, so. Anyways. Well, fine. Chip, you better have a comment. Soon. Soon. I swear. To the Lord above, to the old gods, and the new. Yeah. Anywho. God, I need lotion. I lotion the fuck out of my hands. And look, I got got a cracked nook. Damn, dude. I've been having, like, a weird issue where this is, like, dry and peely right here. Right here. It's it's not so bad today, but sometimes, like, when I wake up in the morning, it'll just be, like, dry in between my pinky and... and the webs. Yeah, my yeah. freaking... Just that one, though. See, that's how it is for me. All the rest of my fingers are just, like, you know, hydrated. I have man hands. It feels like I'm out here doing work with these things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of hands I have. I mean, I don't feel like my hands look manly, but they sure feel manly with the lack of moisture. Yeah. Anyways, I also popped all my nails off today at my desk and um, cut all of them off. Yeah, mine are getting really long and grown out. Um, I'm really practicing my self-control because I am like, as soon as a nail snags in my hair, I'm usually the first one to get out my credit card and just go... That's what I did. And then I looked at my nails and I was like, that was a terrible, terrible decision. Because it really fucks them up. Yeah, because I had tips and dip. Oh, yeah. I There are no tips on these. Yeah. But I grew my right, my real nails out just a hair mm-hmm. before I went and got dip so that they would have enough length mm-hmm. to actually shape. Yeah. So now they are much... They're not... Cri- these are not long. Mm-hmm. But to me... They're long. I feel you. I just, I see these people, like, on TikTok or my sister that does my hair and also cut your hair. Her, she has fucking wild nails. And she goes somewhere way up in the city and has, like, every single nail is different. Mm -hmm. Some of them have jewels. Some of them are, like, stiletto. Some of them are coffin. And I'm just, like, if I had those on my hand, they're, like two inches absolutely not i would walk around just holding my hands in the air what else are you supposed to do with them somebody's gonna have to button my pants for me (laughs) i'm gonna have to only wear leggings (laughs) i mean i mean how do you zip your pants how do you do anything what if you have a eyelash in your eyeball how do you use a tin key fucking blind that's true i've just thought of that car seat buckles Anyways, we should get into it. I did. Well, I didn't ask. Some I don't remember. I think it might have been Dillard, my stepdad, asked Cheyenne, like, how do you wipe your ass with those nails? This is the trick. She said, you just take the toilet paper and you just create, like... A barrier? A mummification of, you know, you just wrap it all the way around. That makes sense. Full coverage, and then you go in. Yeah. And I was like, first of all, 
what is your toilet paper bill? That is crazy. <laughs> I need you to keep a running list of how much you're spending on that. 2020 must have been fucking terrible at your house. <laughs> Goddamn. Okay. Okay. So the story we're going to talk about today. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> um, is. Have um, you. Wait. Wait. <laughs> that reminded me. There's this girl on TikTok, and she, like, makes fun of, like, women who make really sappy posts for their husbands and shit on Valentine's Day. (laughs) She's like, Jared, today? Oh, my God, I saw this. (laughs) I love it so much. And the caption was, like, that girl you went to high school with or whatever. (laughs) Who would have (laughs) thought? You know what? Fucking true. I usually do a post for... I didn't this year. I usually do posts for all of my family members' birthdays, for Valentine's Day, for the dog's birthdays. I didn't do any of that. Yeah, I'm just not really active on Facebook. I usually do an Instagram post, Mm -hmm. but my Instagram and my Facebook are synced so it just automatically posts to Facebook. Yeah. So. I oh, which do. which that's happening for the pod, by the way. Oh. I know we talked shit saying we weren't going to be doing posts on Facebook, but I forgot it synced with Instagram. Okay, so just know we're not posting on Facebook. It yeah. Is, it is doing it on its own. Yeah, it's the computer. Okay. It's forcing us. Yeah. Um, fucking lame. Fucking lame. Anyway, but yeah, my mom's birthday was actually yesterday. So, wish I would have known this. <laughs> okay, proceed. I'm All sorry. right. So today we're going to talk about Savannah Lafontaine Greywind. It's very sad, but we've never shied away from a really sad story, obviously. And um, there's some legislation that came out of this case, so that's predominantly why we chose it. This is another example of why it is a good idea to fucking cover these obscure cases because legislation happens to fill holes in the system to prevent this from happening again. Amen. Which is why we are going to continue to post about Gabriel Mm -hmm. and talk about him. P.S. I did tag Crime Junkie in our Instagram post and our tiktok post i saw that so if it pops off we're on ash and brit fucking come at me bro what are you gonna do if you i mean it's a really hard situation because if they were to like come at us hard then it's kind of like yo we want you to make an episode about this really horrible thing that happened you look like the dick now yeah yeah and if they just cover it like we want them to then it's kind of like okay great Thank you. (laughs) That's what we want. So we're kind of, we're in a win-win situation here. Yeah. Anyway, they're probably not going to see that we tagged them, but. No. Fingers crossed. Their moderators will. (sighs) Yeah. See, this is what you get for, with small podcasts like ours. Yeah. You know what? We're willing to scrap, okay? (laughs) We are getting in full on scraps. You know, I did send Maddie a TikTok today that said a dangerous combination is Aries and Cancer. 
that's us. Yeah, just for confirmation, I'm a Cancer. Do I believe in astrology? No. No, it's never right. But it's fun when it matches up. (laughs) When it's convenient, (laughs) we'll just throw it out there. Yeah, we only believe in Taco Bell astrology around here, so... That's right, because it did say I was a Dorito taco, and I always get Dorito tacos. What was mine? I don't remember, because I'm incredibly self-centered. It clearly wasn't an item I get, so... (laughs) Yeah, that's the only reason I remember it, is I always get Dorito tacos. (laughs) <laughs> the most accurate astrology post I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, <clears throat> first we're going to talk about who Savannah was. Savannah was a 22-year-old nursing assistant. She was also in classes to become a nurse. She wanted to be a licensed nurse specializing in elder care, which I thought was incredibly precious because most people who are going to nursing school do not aspire to elder care. No. That's kind of like a last option. Mm -hmm. Most people want to go either they want to go labor and delivery, surgery, or neonatal. That's it. Pretty much. You don't, most of them don't want elder care. Most of them don't want ER. Mm -hmm. Although I do think some there are probably, like, the crazy overachievers who are like, give me the ER, because I'm, I'm fucking hard. Let me get in there. <laughs> I bet there are some that are like that, but probably not about elder care. Anyway, <clears throat> so that's what her life trajectory was to become a nurse. She was also a member of the Spirit Lake Sioux Tribe, and her family had ties to the Turtle Mountain Band of the Chippewa, and... She lived in Fargo, North Dakota, and both of these groups were North Dakota-based. So she lived with her parents and her brother. They lived in a first-floor apartment in Fargo. Some of the sources call it a basement apartment, so I'm not really sure. No, it doesn't matter. First-floor, basement. It seems like the same thing to me, but I also don't know, but it doesn't matter. Because nothing happens in their parents' apartment anyway. So that is irrelevant, kind of. Anyway, Savannah was planning on moving in with her boyfriend, Ashton Matheny, with whom she was expecting her first child. She was about eight months pregnant. And all in all, she seemed to be in a really happy place. She was on a career path she was passionate about, and she was about to become a mom for the first time. So... It was all just kind of really exciting for her. It's so sad. I know. It's like whenever you take the stock of kind of where she was, it makes it even sadder. Yeah, it's all just like very normal and happy. Yeah. You know. She's fresh, 22. Gonna have a baby. Gonna have a baby. Yeah. Hmm. On August 19th, 2017, this is... Like Maddie said, she was about eight months pregnant at this point. She got an invitation from a woman who lived in the apartment above them to come and model a dress. That's kind of weird. Random and weird. Um, This woman's name was Brooke Cruz, and she offered her 20 bucks to model this dress. So Savannah was like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Sure, yeah. At 1.24 p.m. on August 19th, Savannah sent a text to her boyfriend and her mom 
to just let them know what her plans were with Brooke. Then she ordered a pizza for the family for dinner, but by the time it got there, she had to leave in order to meet Brooke in her apartment, in Brooke's apartment. Um, so she left her apartment, and um, after that, she never returned. And when she wasn't back by 4.30, Savannah's mom, her name was Norberta, um, called the police to report her missing. So it seems like it happened kind of fast. Yeah. But obviously this is not something that Savannah would do. She doesn't disappear for odd amounts of time and she was pregnant and yeah that was just upstairs and that was my thought at first when I was reading the timeline I was kind of like a little taken aback at how quickly the police responded um because they they respond pretty quickly yeah and I was kind of like okay well this is odd we've covered a number of missing person cases and they're like you don't wait 48 hours yeah but my second thought was she's eight months pregnant, so it could be a situation where they were worried that she was somewhere and started to go into premature labor or and needed help and couldn't get to help. Right. So that was my other thought. Maybe that's why Yeah. they responded so quickly. Either way. Hell yeah. They should always do that. Always. Okay. So... The investigation. Uh, the officers arrived at the LaFontaine Greywind apartment by 5 o'clock. So in a half hour, they were on scene. And they were speaking with Norberta. So Norberta told police that Savannah left the apartment to meet Brooke Cruz at the unit directly above to model a dress. Some sources refer to this as a sewing project. So... I, I don't know if maybe Brooke Cruz told Savannah that she had made a dress that she wanted her to model. I don't know. It's these kinds of cases that don't have mainstream media coverage. The details get a little muddled. Yeah. So it was a sewing project or modeling or both. Whatever. Um, and Norberta told the police that Savannah just never came back. So, obviously, the police proceed to Brooke Crew's apartment. The police searched Brooke Crew's apartment twice on August 19th, 2017, and they've searched it again on the 20th. But none of these searches actually turned up any evidence or clues. Okay. So we're going to flash forward to August 24th, 2017. Brooke Cruz and her boyfriend, William Hohen, suddenly welcome a brand new baby girl. Hmm. Huh. So the sudden appearance of this infant, given that Brooke Cruz was not known to be pregnant at the time, gave police probable cause to get a search warrant for Brooke Crew's apartment. Okay, so obviously we're all wondering what police could possibly find at this point because they have already searched the apartment multiple times and turned up nothing. But 
this time they have a search warrant. And in the initial searches, they did not have a warrant as far as I know, mm-hmm. which means they couldn't open any doors. They couldn't open any like cabinets or anything like that. So if a door was closed and Brooke Cruz did not authorize them to open it, they would not be able to. Right. So they went in and there was obviously no clear evidence that Savannah was there at that time, so they couldn't do anything. But now they have a search warrant, so they can look everywhere. Right. Because they're looking for Savannah, so that gives them the ability to look everywhere. And, obviously, on this search, they find the baby. Which, in their previous searches, Brooke Cruz had hidden the baby under blankets in her bed. That's safe. That's That's just great. So, of course, DNA testing was done and the baby was confirmed to be Savannah's. So, we're going to get into the suspects, which I bet we're all wondering who those are. Oh, I wonder. And uh, the confession. So, Brooke Cruz apparently tried to maintain at first that Savannah just gave her baby to her willingly and then just vanished. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, This, of course, did not hold up when Savannah's body was discovered in the nearby river about a week later. Hmm. Yeah. So at this point, the jig is up and Cruz decides to confess and tell the police what actually happened to Savannah. According to Cruz, she had lied to her boyfriend, William, and told him that she was pregnant. And she stated that their relationship was on the rocks and she made up the pregnancy to please him and prevent him from leaving her. She even gave him a fake sonogram to support this lie of hers. Mm. However, eventually he realized that she wasn't pregnant. Obviously. Um... So, you would think after 40 weeks of being pregnant, you would maybe look pregnant, um, and then she never actually gave birth to a child, so. (laughs) Yeah, this is not a lie with longevity. No, your husband, your boyfriend doesn't come home and and you're just like, the baby's here. Yeah. No. No. We will never understand the whole lying about a pregnancy thing because um, it clearly can't last that long. Of course. It's legitimately the worst lie. Yeah. An (laughs) impossible lie. You cannot deliver on this lie. Literally. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) So when her boyfriend realized that she wasn't pregnant, he, of course, was very mad. Yeah. Um. Because not only had he been lied to, but also because he had already told everyone in his life about the baby and didn't want to look stupid when no baby ever arrived. I get it. I, I do get it. Uh, I get it that he was mad. Make, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, he tells Cruz that um, she, quote, unquote, must produce a baby. This part is a giant red flag and Brooke Cruz should have been like, peace, yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, we're not really sure how he expected her to accomplish this, but 
they could have maybe tried to get pregnant. Um, and if that didn't work, they could have, like, maybe told their friends and family that she lost the baby. Something. Something. That would be a terrible lie, though, because there are many, many, many women who suffer this loss every day. And it is, of course, traumatic. Of course. Um, however, we would certainly rather Cruz and Hoenn lie about a miscarriage than kill a woman for her unborn child. Yeah. 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 So, Cruz claims that she and Hoenn never explicitly talked about killing Savannah, but Cruz says she heard Hoenn discussing Savannah and her pregnancy and just took that to mean that he wanted Savannah's baby. Hmm. Okay. Very odd. Super odd leap to take on that one. Yeah. On the day of the murder, Cruz invited Savannah to her apartment to model this dress. And this was clearly a pretense for getting Savannah into the apartment alone. Yep. And once Savannah is there, Cruz said she lost her nerve. And instead of just killing Savannah, she starts a fight with her. And Savannah ends up hitting her head on the bathroom sink and she blacked out. Interestingly, the medical examiner would testify that Savannah's body showed no signs of a head injury. Huh. So this kind of calls Cruz's story into question. Did she wait until Savannah turned her back and then she attacked her? Um, or was Cruz trying to imply that Hoenn was the one who actually killed Savannah? My inclination is the latter. Yeah. In the way that her story progresses. Yeah. I feel like if Savannah hit her head and blacked out then that means that it Cruz potentially is absolving herself of guilt in the actual murder. Right. But this is when um, Cruz gets a carpenter's knife and proceeds to cut open Savannah's abdomen and remove the baby from her womb. Uh. And the whole time, Savannah was still alive and just going in and out of consciousness. Uh, listen, I've had two children removed from my womb via C-section and being completely numb to it, just being awake during something planned and very safe. Performed by medical professionals? It's still fucking weird. Yeah. For one minute to be pregnant and the next they're just like, bloop. Yeah. So... Oh, Jesus. I'm surprised she was able to do that, like, and the baby survive? Yeah. I am, too. I mean, to here's, here's where it calls her entire story kind of into question. Because there had to have been some measure of research done by Brooke Cruz to know where in the abdomen the baby is. Yeah, because my C-section is extremely low. Yeah. I mean, you can't just cut in, you know, above the belly button, really. There would be a lot of, like, digging happening. Yeah. And, like, I have never 
had a C-section, but I've heard that during the C-section, they actually have to move your organs yes, they do. out of the way, take the baby out, and then put the organs back. That is exactly right. Okay. Uh, so I didn't make that up. I was afraid for a second that it was just me somehow coming to that conclusion. That's why they tell you you're going to feel pushing and pulling because they are literally pulling that stuff out of you and then pushing it back in. That's horrifying. Um, (laughs) I never want to have a child. (laughs) Unless it can come out the vagina. I don't want to have it. That is really freaky. Maybe they'll just general anesthesia and I'm fully out. They don't, they don't do that. And I know that, but Oh my God, no. You could put that request in. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she had to have done some research. Absolutely. There's no way she could have gone into this off the cuff and just extracted the baby unharmed. Because, spoiler alert, the baby is totally unharmed. Yeah. So. That's a fucking miracle. Yeah. She could have easily just cut right into the baby's head. Yeah, absolutely. Because mm. don't, do babies come out, like, are they face up? What, what's ha- what happens here? Because it's usually pointing head down. Usually it, sh- it should ideally want to be face down. Face down. Yeah. Okay. But for a C-section, they can kind of be wherever. Right. Um, and at eight I'm, months, it probably hadn't shifted into birthing position yet, I'm guessing. I don't really remember. I don't remember. Now, I don't know if during a C-section, if, I mean, because if your body's not, I don't know, I'm not going to, I don't want to say things that aren't true, but I mean, I feel like during a C-section, especially if it's a planned C-section and yeah. your body's not gone into labor, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's possible that the baby could kind of be anyway. I mean, I'm sure at that point it is head down. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure when they do a C-section, they can go in there and kind of move, move it. it to where they need it to be. Right. Because, I mean, you can't just pull a baby out. Right, exactly. So. That's. But, I, I mean, and I'm not trying to get, like, fucking nasty, gruesome, but. Of course, when they do actual C-sections, they don't want the incision to be super fucking long. Mm -hmm. Like, mine is maybe five or six inches. Mm -hmm. Now, because it's like this, which is a pretty big incision for anywhere on the body, they have to, like, use things to hold it open. Right. So, obviously, she didn't have the tools to perform a C-section. Clearly. So the fact that she was able to just remove the baby, she had to have full access to it. Yeah, there couldn't have been any struggle from Savannah. Right. So so I feel like Savannah had, if she was showing no signs of head trauma in her autopsy, Savannah had to have been already dead. Yeah. I think. Or... Or maybe she, maybe the pain of what was happening, she could have just been completely blacked out. She could have been blacked out from the pain. I can see that happening. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, so after Cruz does this, 
Her boyfriend apparently arrives home to find her laying in their bed with this baby while Savannah is just bleeding on the bathroom floor. He then asks Cruz if Savannah is dead, and Cruz says she doesn't know. So, Hoenn strips down to his underwear, presumably to avoid getting blood on his clothes, gets a rope, and puts it around her, her as in Savannah's neck, and strangles her. According to Cruz's testimony, after doing this, Hoenn says, if she wasn't dead before, she is now. Oh, God. So, then they clean up the blood in the bathroom. They wrap Savannah's body in garbage bags and put her into a hollowed-out dresser in the apartment. That's fucking disgusting. Um, which is where she was the first time police searched the apartment. What I just want to know, first of all, what is a hollowed-out dresser? Yeah, that's a red flag to me. Because the faces of the drawers had to have still been in there to conceal. Right. But the drawer part is gone because obviously that's where they hid Savannah's body. And this had to have been a fairly large dresser. Yes. And so the face of the drawers had to have been glued on. Yeah. Weird thing to have in your home. Yeah, so between, so they either just had this and conveniently a hollowed out dresser just happened to be there, or they planned to store her there and prep to this dresser beforehand. Yeah, I have nowhere to put a dead body in my house. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to think about. I mean, unless you hollow out your dresser, I don't know where you're going to put one. The slide, maybe? I don't even have a dresser, bro. Dude, I don't have a real dresser either. No. I've, in my adult life, I've never actually owned a dresser. We got to fix this. Dude, I know. I, here's, the problem is, is that I want to get a matching bedroom set that has, like, the chest of drawers with the mirror, the tall dresser, the nightstands, and the bed. I feel that. That's fucking expensive. And so I just, I, it would make so much sense for me to go to like the fucking trade fair and get a hundred dollar dresser just to have it. Mm -hmm. But I'm really stubborn and I'm like, no, I'm not going to spend that hundred dollars. And here I am 30 fucking one. And I've (laughs) never owned a dresser. (laughs) God, that's fucking silly. But yeah, at the end, we're going to obviously give our thoughts like we always do. But I am going to preface this by saying this was a planned situation. Yeah, 100%. They prepared for this shit. And the hollowed out dresser is just one way in which this is is proven to me. So, based on the speed at which Savannah was reported missing by her mom and how quick police were um, in getting to Cruz and Hoenn's apartment, they must have cleaned up the bathroom, like, super fucking quick and pretty thoroughly if they didn't see any blood just a few hours after the murder. Mm. 
Now, it is possible that police didn't look in the bathroom, but I we don't know why they wouldn't unless crews just wouldn't allow them to look in there. Right. Or they they didn't or they didn't kill her in the bathroom at all and they just had like a fucking tarp mm-hmm. and didn't get blood anywhere that, that could be it you know i'm the, thinking through these things as we're going through the story yeah so i mean if we're going full planned prepared for this event I think it's totally likely that they just fucking tarped the apartment. For police not to find or see anything suspicious just a few hours after it happened, you would think that, yeah, that's exactly. a possibility. Exactly. Because I, I can't imagine that there was very little blood if they cut her open and exactly. pulled out a baby. There had to have been a shit ton of blood. A shit ton. Exactly. There's a shit ton of blood whenever I freaking cut myself. Right. And having had an actual C-section performed, I mean, I heard that little suction thing sucking up all my blood. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, so, after Savannah was murdered, they um, moved her body into their jeep in the middle of the night, and they took her to the Red River and dumped her there. On August 27th, a couple of kayakers discovered Savannah's body inside the garbage bags, and um, these were wrapped in duct tape, and it was, she was caught on a tree in the Red River. Exactly. I cannot imagine being a fucking kayaker. Bro. Oh my god. And then you just... It's always the poor outdoorsy people that find dead bodies. It really is. You know. I mean... The hunters, the kayakers, the runners. Yep. Just stay inside. Yep. You you have, like, two sides of the coin. Because sometimes the hikers and the outdoors people are the ones who find fucking trash bags full of puppies. Right. We want trash bags of... Trash bags. (laughs) Trash bags of puppies, not trash bags of dead bodies. That's right. See, I have a feeling that if I were to take up a hobby like hiking or kayaking, that I would be the one to find trash bags of just horrible shit. Not the trash bags of puppies. Right. Because was it you that was telling me that your brother found a trash bag of puppies, like, out on a hike? Or in the woods or whatever? No, just on the side of the road. He was driving at a stoplight. See, I'm at stoplights every day. Right. We're not out here finding puppies? Not once have I found a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm looking at puppies all day long on Instagram. I'm just like, oh, puppies. Oh, puppies. Would you like me to stage a puppy in a trash bag for you on your morning commute? (sighs) Please. This is all I ask. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that okay that just i would never put a puppy in a trash bag just if anyone was wondering just to be clear i i would put it in a well ventilated like tote maybe with bedding and food with written on the side madeline there is a puppy in here 
Yeah. On my, I take the same route to work every single day. I don't ever make stops. You will soon. If I were to be driving down the road and just see a tote, I'm stopping just to see if it's a puppy. Hopefully there's not a head in there, I swear. Fuck. Just straight up like the movie Seven. I don't open totes on the side of the road. What's in the box? (laughs) Brad Pitt at his best. Um, Anyway, so that's the story that Brooke Cruz says. Mm-hmm. Just to be clear, we are not endorsing her story because no. as we've called attention to several holes that are in her story. But now we're going to talk about the charges and sentences of these two horrible individuals. So Brooke Cruz, obviously she confessed and she pled guilty in December on December 11th, 2017. Um, so pretty quickly after the murders, actually. Yeah. Um, even with a confession, usually these things take longer than three months. So four months. So she pled guilty to conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, and lying to police. It's stated... In the reports that she sobbed through her testimony and expressed remorse for the atrocity that she committed. And she also apologized to the family for what she did. Whatever, whatever. Great. Hope she does feel horrible for what she did. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? We don't really care about how she feels. No, absolutely not. No one fucking cares. Um, it doesn't change what she did it doesn't change that uh savannah is no longer here to be with her family raise her kid so whatever brooke cruz fuck off but it is strange to me that they didn't charge brooke cruz with murder and kidnapping in addition to the charges that were actually brought it's pretty standard to see cases with conspiracy charges to also have the actual charge for the act itself so for instance you would in this case you could see um you would see conspiracy to commit murder murder conspiracy to commit kidnapping kidnapping right and then lying to police that's kind of what i anticipated seeing in the charges but just the conspiracy charges and the lying to police that that was odd um because there's Uh, an abundance of evidence that Hohen and Cruz colluded to take Savannah's baby and murder her in doing so. So it means that they did both conspire to murder and murder. Right. So obviously she confessed and pled guilty. So these charges could be a result of a plea deal, but I'm guessing that has to be it. First of all, has to be that has to be the explanation. However, I'm just really surprised that the prosecution team wasn't just like, uh, fuck off. Right. We can nail you to the wall with everything. Right. Like you had the baby in your house. Yeah. And then we found her body. You confessed like. You're not getting out of this. Mm mm. Fuck off with your plea deal. We're going to trial. And 
you're going to get all the charges. Yeah. I'm really surprised that they didn't do that. Seems like an odd move. Either way, Cruz was sentenced in February of 2018 to life in prison without the possibility of parole, so she's not ever getting out. Maybe that's what they were thinking? I don't know. I don't know. It seems so weird to me. I don't know. But William Hohen's charges are even weirder. So his are actually pretty complicated, He pled guilty, but only to two of the charges. So he was originally charged with the same charges as Brooke Cruz. He got conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, and giving false information to the police. He pled to the kidnapping and the false information charges in September of 2018. But he decided to take the conspiracy to commit murder charge to jury trial. And they actually acquitted him of conspiracy to commit murder in 2018. So he took a gamble and got acquitted. Um, The jury did not think that there was enough evidence to show that he actually aided Cruz in killing Savannah. He claims that when he got home from work that Savannah was already dead and he had no idea that Cruz was planning to lure her to their apartment, kill her, and take the baby. Which is plausible. Yeah. I don't know. It's plausible. However, even if he didn't know, even if he had no idea that she was planning on doing this, which kind of seems likely to me. I mean, he did say, you must produce a baby, whatever. But it seems like it's possible that Brooke Cruz acted unilaterally originally, but yeah, but he did help her clean up and dispose of the body and pose the child as his own. Right. So I think there's a path to guilt on the conspiracy to commit murder charge as an accessory to aided accessory after the fact I think is probably that charge I have no idea if North Dakota has this charge because every state has their own uh, criminal code but that's what I was thinking is accomplice law would come into effect here because that's what they, they tell you in criminal law class in law school is there are three paths to guilt committing the act conspiracy to commit the act and accomplice yeah so you can either commit the act plan the act or help with the act right all three are paths to guilt so i mean he's guilty of this charge in some way right but jury are always normal people who are not lawyers Mm -hmm. so i guess the prosecution did a shit job of convincing them (laughs) Um, so, I don't know. It's kind of a shit show, honestly. The jury did what they did, and once someone's acquitted of a charge, the prosecution does not get a chance to appeal that verdict. Yeah. So, you get one shot, that's it. Um, so as to the sentence for the charges that Hohen pled to, 
the state's attorney requested that the judge declare Hohen a dangerous offender stemming from a previous charge of abuse or neglect of a child. And this is strictly for the purposes of sentencing. It's kind of like if you get so many DWIs, then you're like an aggravated offender and they can give you more time. Right. Um, So that's kind of what they were doing. The charge of kidnapping is usually a maximum of 20 years. False information to police is a maximum of one year. So by, but by labeling Hohen a dangerous offender, this would allow the judge to impose a life sentence instead of the maximums. Of course, Hohen appealed this sentence. His defense team stated that the judge and the state overreached by labeling Hohen a dangerous offender and sentencing him to life in prison. According to our sources, the North Dakota law that allowed the judge to sentence Hohen to life basically states that a defendant can be labeled a dangerous offender if they have a previous conviction for a related offense. The Supreme Court of North Dakota North Dakota ruled that Judge Olson erred in his labeling of Hohen because his previous conviction for child abuse and neglect is not similar enough to the current charges and the life sentence was overturned. I told you it gets complicated. So, after the life sentence was overturned, Judge Olson then resentenced Hohen to the maximum of 20 years for kidnapping, one year for false information to be served concurrently, unfortunately. Um, so, essentially, that works out to being sentenced to 20 years. Yeah. Um, Judge Olson was not pleased with the Supreme Court's decision and said to Hohen at his resentencing, quote, I want to sentence you to as long as I can by the law. Hell yeah, Judge. Yes. Judge Olson, that's what's up. So, Brooke Cruz, life in prison without parole, and William Hohen, 20 years. Um, Usually, they're paroled after about a third of that. Yeah. If you're in state prison. Federal prison usually serve closer to two-thirds of your sentence. State prison's about one-third. Yeah. Fucking terrible. Cool. <clears throat> cool, 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 cool. That is so fucked up. It's like the most fucked up. So, if at this point in the episode you're wondering about Savannah's daughter, um, who is, of course, a huge part of this story. Mm-hmm. She is okay. We did say that earlier. Um... She was taken from Cruz and Hohen by police, and after they verified her identity through DNA, she was picked up by her dad, Savannah's boyfriend, Ashton. Her name is Hazley, and um, she's been with her dad ever since. She's almost five years old now. Yeah. So, that's a miracle. Uh, And there are pictures of her in some of our sources if you want to go and, like, see what she looks like. She's adorable, obviously. I think the pictures in the articles that I w- was reading, she was, like, three. Yeah. So, she's adorable, obviously. So. That's it's so it's so cute and sad. It's wildly sad. When she, eventually she's going to have to hear this story. Yeah. What mm. the fuck? 
I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you would approach that with a kid. I don't either. Like, it, I know that for years we've told you that, you know, your mommy passed away when you were little. But here's what actually happened. Some crazy psychopath. Yeah. Stole you out of her living body. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. I mean, that's going to be traumatic for her dad to have to tell her. Absolutely. And her, because then she's going to have to just know that for the rest of her life. Yeah. The fuck? That's horrible. So, what came out of this is Savannah's act. Um... And Savannah's act requires the Department of Justice to strengthen training, coordination, and data collection um, and other guidelines related to cases of murdered and missing Native Americans. And it aims to address the alarming number of cases involving Native women. Mm-hmm. Former, former North Dakota Senator Heidi Heitkamp first introduced the bill in 2017. It passed the Senate in early 2020, and former President Trump signed it into law on October 10th, 2020. In an article published in September of 2020 by Maureen Pow for NPR, there is an interview with Sarah Deer, who is a distinguished professor of women, gender, and sexuality studies at the University of Kansas. Whoop and a citizen of the Muscogee Creek Nation of Oklahoma, and she discusses Savannah's Law and the epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women. And this is, of course, in our sources, and you should definitely go read it. It's the very first source listed. Yeah. And I did label it, so. So it's there. Um, But we are going to read the Q&A with Sarah Deer. It's not super long, but it is important. Um, but first we want to make sure we give her her full accolades. She got her BA and JD, which is a law degree from KU. And she was a MacArthur fellow. Huge, huge accomplishment to be a MacArthur fellow. It's like the creme de la creme of scholars is Mm. the MacArthur fellowship. Fucking A. Yeah. And she specializes in tribunal law. Yeah. So it's, uh, I actually had someone in my small section when I was in law school and she was specializing in tribunal law. And one of our deans actually also specialized in tribunal law. A lot of people actually seek out, uh, KU law school specifically because, um, there is a large population of professors that are really versed in tribunal law. Fuck yeah. Just fun fact. That's where I went to law school, people. KU. Deer tells Tanya Mosley on All Things Considered, which is a show? Um, yes. She says almost 80% of Native, Native American women will experience some form of physical abuse and over half will experience some form of sexual assault. That's fucking huge. That's such a huge number. So when we talk about the homicide rates... What is happening? 
So when we talk about the homicide rates, they seem to be the end result of these efforts to extinguish the lives of Native American women on reservations. And it just hasn't gotten the kind of attention that it deserves. That's exactly right. I can read the questions and you can... Cool. I guess we should explain that. So I'm going to read the questions that were asked and Maddie is going to give the answers that Sarah Deere gave. Why has a lot of this crime gone unreported or uninvestigated? Native people in general just tend to be still really invisible in the larger society, and our criminal justice system, particularly that applies on reservations, makes it very, very difficult to investigate a crime. You have a number of different agencies that may have different directives or different protocols. You have the FBI involved. You have the U.S. attorneys. You have tribunal police. You have the Bureau of Indian Affairs Police. And the problem has been that the efforts to locate these women have just not been coordinated. To what extent does Savannah's act help in this? It's a great step in the right direction. The first thing that we really need to do is figure out who is doing what and when. And so what Savannah's act requires is that the Department of Justice create a task force to make sure that everyone's on the same page. When a woman goes missing from a reservation, what's the first thing we should do? Because you get different different answers to that. It also requires the Department of Justice to have training for law enforcement officers from the tribunal police to the FBI to understand what their role is in finding these women and putting the families at ease. That their case is being taken seriously because in the past, most families have reported they didn't feel law enforcement authorities took enough action to locate their missing loved one. Why has it taken so long to get to this point? We really didn't have data until very recently that told us the true scope, true scope of this crisis. It wasn't until 1999 that the, the Department of Justice released any crime data pertaining to Native people, so it really hasn't been that long that we've known about this problem. You've been working on the issue of violence against Indigenous women for more than 10 years. How does it feel to get to this point where this could potentially become law? It's sad that we have to have this law, but I think that one of the things that's most poignant about this law is the name of Savannah. It gives us hope. It means that we are becoming visible. It means that Native women matter and our stories matter, and that the families deserve answers. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Sarah dear. Ooh. So, as our listeners probably know, um... We are still always going to be determined to cover more cases of missing and murdered indigenous women, as well as the murders of black women. Um, Yes. We've talked about it before, how for some reason these cases just aren't, aren't talked about. No one grabs them and reports on them, and that's fucked up. It's, it's really fucked up, and we've discussed our frustration that our fellow podcasters haven't covered some of the cases that we've covered and like felt really passionate about yeah um obviously savannah and we covered alina awesome thunderbird she's she was from canada i've never heard except there is a podcast called the soul and sisters podcast and they 
Uh, I think it's just one host, and she covers strictly missing and murdered Indigenous women. Mm -hmm. And that's where I got a lot of the information we had for the Alina case. Um, But as far as, like, Unique Harris, her case I've never heard on a podcast. Nope. Uh, Brittany Clardy, who we covered, uh, like, two months ago. Yeah. Uh, maybe like three, in, three in, or four months i think it was actually like right around thanksgiving i have no concept yeah i think it was yeah um but i've never heard her case on a podcast obviously we talk about gabriel fernandez all the time uh the chicago 51 has never been covered Mm-mm. and we did a two-parter on that one uh the women of juarez i have heard other another podcast talk about the women of juarez but it wasn't it was kind of briefly and it's a big story it's a huge story uh, it's weird it's it's like 300 victims <laughs> yeah. crazy so even though we have a small audience we're we're still gonna try and do that like obviously we have to balance it with stories that other people have already heard of and the popular ones but why wouldn't we yeah Exactly. <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand why bigger podcasts don't. Um, so if you haven't listened to those particular episodes, we urge you to do so. Absolutely. And in and, and all of those episodes, we include resources to in our, in the sources that are always posted in our show notes. You can always go and look at all the articles we use, the mm-hmm. documentaries we watch. Um in all of those, we've linked resources like the Chicago 51. There's a uh, Chicago 51 website that you can go to that students from a university in Chicago put together of all these missing women. Yep. You can visit that, visit their website, look at their work. There's an amazing professor there who kind of led the effort. You can support them. Women of Juarez, there's a whole bunch of women that we highlighted in that episode who are doing great work for women in those areas. Right. Like, you can go and sign the petition for Gabriel's Law that's still struggling to make it past the floor of Congress. Mm-hmm. We pick these cases because there's still work that we can do in order to help make the system better in those areas. Absolutely. So that's our hope. <laughs> our real hope is that <laughs> maybe these bigger podcasts will cover these stories mm-hmm. so that their 30 million a month downloads will actually help bolster some of what we want to see happen. Right. Because even as something as simple as signing a petition can make a huge difference. Exactly. That's that's how you get things like Megan's Law or um, Kansas actually in the last year did Adrian's Law for that little boy. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to cover his case. I've already flagged it to cover it. But... Um, that law basically states that a social worker that does a house visit on a report has to lay eyes on the actual child. Yeah, because w- what a fucking... What a concept. Yeah. Because that was the issue with him. There was reports. Social workers were reporting to the house, talking to the parents, and not seeing the child. Mm-hmm. The fuck do you mean? Yeah. So that was actually ratified into Kansas law um, in 2021. So... That's that's the kind of shit we want to see happen. So 
So we just be out here doing that. So we, we're hitting the streets. We're trying, people. We're trying. We're trying. We, you know, we need you to help us. Yeah. We do what we can. We need you to do what you can. That's right. So first, you can listen to our episode, and then you can share it, and hopefully other people will hear it and be like, you know what? Maybe I'll sign that shit. Yeah. That's all. It takes like two seconds. We both signed. We signed the Gabriel's Law petition. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. Click, clack, done. Mm Mm-hmm. So, anyway, soapbox over. But in lighter conversation. Yeah. Haley and Ariel, we love you very much. That's right. Um, Technically, I put in here, you are our sun and stars and the moon of our life. Yeah, that's completely true. If you know, you know. Mm-hmm. So. If you don't, you should. This conversation is over. You should be knowing. <laughs> but like we beg you every single episode, please follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, TikTok, send us an email. Give us some suggestions. I mean, it's not like we're out of things to talk about, but we would love to cover something you want to hear about. Yeah, if you have a passion project case, yeah, let us know. You know what? Send us your favorite conspiracy. Yeah, those are hard to come by, honestly. We'll do an episode on it. Yeah. We'll we'll get a little lighthearted and do a conspiracy. Yeah. But in the meantime, please, please be kind and stay weird. <laughs> okay. Get out of here. (laughs) Goodbye.